welcome to the Emerging Motherhood Podcast. My name is Anitza Templeton. And in this first episode, the way I work when someone's going to speak into my life or I want to hear something that they have to say, I want to know who the hell they are and why they think they have a right to speak into my life. You know, I'm not just going to listen to any old fool off the street and just be like, oh, okay, yeah, oh my God. Like, I feel like that's how people get roped into cults and shit. <laughs> so that, so I, with this first episode, I want to just explain a little bit more about who I am because if you're listening, I assume you already follow me on social media. So you probably already know little bits and pieces about my life, but you're like, who the fuck is this weird woman on Instagram and TikTok who like sings into a vibrator? <laughs> um, and so that's what this first episode is. I just kind of want to fill in the gaps of who I am. If you are listening to this for the first time, you have no idea who I am. Thank you so much for finding me. It will all make sense. So I am a 38-year-old single mother living in Denver, Colorado. I have four kids, all elementary school age. And I just finalized um, my divorce with their father, who I, in my personal opinion, feel was a very abusive partner. And... I stayed quiet the entire time I was married. I never really told anyone the truth of what was going on behind the scenes. And it was hard. And so this podcast is like me finding my voice and using my voice. Um, I am Puerto Rican. I'm a Latina. Boricua. What's up? What's up? <laughs> I was born in New Jersey. To my, my my Puerto Rican parents, my mother was born and raised in Puerto Rico. My dad was born in New York, but then like kind of grew up in Puerto Rico as a little boy and then moved back to the Northeast, blah, blah, blah. By all, like when I see, you know, it's so funny when I see like Cardi B post pictures of her childhood, it looks so familiar. Like I feel like there's a kindred spirit there. There's a little bit of that Cardi B spirit because I'm like a Latina girl from the Northeast. You know what I mean? I feel like you can never take that out of you except if you've been in an abusive relationship, but we will get to that in a minute. (laughs) Anyway, so I was born to two Puerto Rican parents who were pretty traditional in being Latin and raising us in a Latin home. And I feel so traditional in that while we were in a Puerto Rican home, at home, we were in our home. We were very whitewashed, not whitewashed, but we were very, um, you know, we spoke English at home. They didn't want, okay, that's what it is. My parents didn't want me and my brother to have the same struggles because my mom learned English as a second language and my dad almost like he was learning English and Spanish at the same time so it took him a minute to kind of sort them as he grew up or whatever and so at home we spoke English and so I always felt growing up like I didn't really fit in with the Spanish girls because I wasn't that Puerto Rican like I knew the food I knew the music I knew the culture but like I didn't speak Spanish as well as them or something I don't know I just it was probably all in my head because I've reconnected with almost everyone I know from high school. And I'm like, oh, my God, we were friends. Oh, my God, I love you, too. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So much so that my one of my high school friends is actually coming out to move to Denver, Colorado, and will be joining me on the podcast. She will be on the next episode of the podcast discussing why she's moving out to Colorado. So stay tuned for that. So I feel like I had a really traditional Latin childhood and growing up we I was born and raised kind of in the northeast I was born in New Jersey we lived in Connecticut I had you know we would go to New York and Chinatown for like 
fireworks in the summertime. Like those are memories that I have as a little kid. I remember going to the corner store to buy little little Debbie cakes and shit. And so with that came this just ingrained idea that my goal in life was ultimately to become a wife and a mother. Because if you're a little girl in a Latin home, you're going to learn how to cook, clean and shake your ass because, you know, una dama en la sala y una puta en la cama. I mean, I feel like we've all heard that. That is the Spanish phrase for like a lady in the streets and the freak freak in the sheets or whatever. So that was just ingrained in me. I just understood what my role was in life. You be sexy. You learn how to be sexy. Looks are what's most important. Um, Don't worry about education. Don't worry about life goals. Just make sure your pussy's tight and your mouth is shut. (laughs) I kind of like it the other way around. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyway, whatever. Um, So that was like my mission in life. Even I went to college and I studied graphic design. I didn't go to a good college, but I did go to college and I got an associate degree in web design. I did work in graphic design for a little bit as a young woman. It was one of the times that I felt so fulfilled in life. And it was, um, I met one of my dearest, closest friends that I really don't understand how, how we've maintained our friendship for this long. And I honestly don't understand how she, um, how she managed our friendship because I was an annoying asshole back then. I was this Bible thumping evangelical Christian who wanted to get drunk on the weekends and like flirt with boys and have one night stands. We, man, we had so much fun and it was only for a little bit of time, but she was this outspoken feminist who was like, fuck that, fuck the patriarchy. And I was like, who is she? I just thought like, I did not under I didn't know who Ruth Bader Ginsburg were, was at the time. Like I just didn't understand anything about female rights and like that side of womanhood because I had only ever experienced the very conservative and restrictive side. It's like I had never seen past the curtain and this friend was the first person to kind of help me start to peek behind that curtain and maybe think, "Oh, there's more to life than just what I can offer to men." <laughs> So I feel like that was like the first, first little turning point. And funny because at that job with her was where I met friends who said, hey, let's take a weekend trip to Colorado. Fuck it. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Took a weekend trip to Colorado. And I was like, this shit is dope as fuck. It, I don't know what it was about this. I mean, I do know what it was. It was the complete opposite because so I was born in the Northeast and lived there. But around like middle school, my family moved to Florida We lived in like the most Puerto, it is literally like you can Wikipedia this shit. Wikipedia, Buena Ventura Lakes in Kissimmee, Florida. Pretty sure there's a Wikipedia page about it. And I'm pretty sure it will confirm it is like the most densely populated Puerto Rican neighborhood in all of Florida or some shit. If if it's not, it's fucking close to it. For a time, the grocery store was Publix Sabor because, and it was like one of two like Latin flared versions of this grocery store because that's how how deep the culture was so I very much grew up in a very Latin Hispanic just ingrained in this culture forever like that is just what I grew up in and so when I came out to Colorado and it was like culture shock it's very different people are different cultures different scenery is different everything is different and I think that's what drew me to Denver I knew I needed a change in my life but I didn't know what it was looking back now I understood I was trying to heal from the traumas that I had experienced in my life. 
And I thought you could run away from your problems. I thought if I just got away from my family and if I got away from the people I grew up with who knew me in a certain light, if I got far enough away, I could start over and everything would be fine. And so at 24, I moved by myself to Denver, Colorado. I literally, oh my God, this was like the most dangerous thing ever. Do not recommend it. If one of my children did this, I would fucking shit my pants. I literally signed up on roommates.com, which was kind of like Tinder back then, just for like people who weren't down to admit they wanted to just like meet people and fuck in different cities. (laughs) So I signed up on roommates.com, met um, a super toxic alcoholic dude who shall remain nameless because I hope he's doing well. I genuinely wish that man well. I just, whatever. Anyway, he was super hot and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to (laughs) like, I'm going to like, I know I love Denver and like, I'm such an independent woman because I met that one friend who was like letting me peek through the curtain, but I was still so ingrained in my culture and in my religion, my very weirdly conservative evangelical Christian like foundations that I was trying to do it, but also remain faithful to those values. So I was like really in this... in this transitional phase, I was 24 and exploring. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go to Denver and I'm going to like live with this super hot guy and I'm going to like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I did. <clears throat> Long story short, I fucking moved to Denver, Colorado. That's when I realized dude was like a raging alcoholic. And I was like, um, I don't really like this. <clears throat> we had slept together a couple times. So it started making the roommate situation really messy. But when I went to college, I was too afraid to like really go to college and go away. So I just like stayed in my little town and I just like lived with my parents. So this felt like my college experience. And not going to lie, dude was super hot. He was so hot. And and I just wanted to be liked. So I was like, sure, we can sleep together all the time. And it just like it was such a mess. I was young and stupid. He got me a job at this law office. And this was during the foreclosure boom. This was like 2008 when like everybody was losing their houses and shit and foreclosures were like booming. So I got a job at this law firm, like literally just like filing papers, helping in the foreclosure process. And I partly got the job because of that weirdo roommate and because I spoke Spanish um, because they wanted just more people because it was a lot of, you know, black and brown people that were losing their houses that they needed translators, (laughs) whatever. Um, gosh, that's, I am not proud of working that job. I just want to make that clear anyway. And that's where I met who would become my future husband. He was like office hot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we worked together and I was like, um, in this weird little bubble of people, I guess you're the closest one that I would ever make out with. So maybe that'll happen one day at like a party or something. Cause whatever, we all know how that goes, you know, like a Christmas party or something. And sure enough, that's what happened. I moved out to Colorado in like May, like Memorial Day weekend of 2008. And then that 4th of July, one of the like attorneys for the office threw a 4th of July party and he lived in a loft downtown and I lived in a really dope ass apartment downtown with that hot guy that was super toxic, which is what I was drawn to because of my upbringing. Anyway, so I go to the work party, the like 4th of July party and unbeknownst to me, my future ex-husband was like, oh, I've got my sight set on her. I want to you know, watch, I'm going to take her home tonight. And he was super pushy and he sure did. Like, I was like, uh, okay. Like he, I remember walking home that night and being like, 
why are you still following? Because I could walk home. We we both could walk home from where we lived in Denver. There's a long mall called the 16th Street Mall. At one end is called Lodo. It's like the lower downtown like bar district. On the other end is Capitol Hill. It's where the capital of Denver is. And that's like its own little unique neighborhood. And they have their own like real different vibes and just, you know, it's their own different worlds. And we lived on complete opposite sides of downtown. So I was like, why are you walking with me to Union Station? You need to be walking in the other direction. Long story short, that's just how the relationship always was. Any opinion I had just got steamrolled. And I was 24 and young, impressionable, confused, really lost alone in a new city. And I was really searching for myself. And I would literally email my pastor back home in Florida before I made decisions. I would literally, I would literally say, dear Pastor Joe, I'm thinking about buying a couch. I don't know if it's a wise use of my money. And I have, (laughs) I've looked at the text, meaning the Bible, and I just don't, I don't have the guidance that I'm looking for. What, what should I do? Like, that's how naive and scared I was to live life. I was this tiny little sheltered girl that very much did not understand my worth. I did not understand my beauty. Looking back now, I'm like, holy shit, that smoking little ass. What? What? Oh, my God. The best shape of my life. Brown, tan, beautiful skin. Holy shit shit what I would give to go back to that age when I thought I was so fat and ugly that landed me in a relationship with somebody who took advantage of that innocence I remember the first time I went home with him to meet his mother we were all playing a game they were big on board games which really won my heart over like I never felt like I had that family bond with my family. Like I grew up in a Puerto Rican home that was loud. We played salsa music. Mommy was always yelling at somebody. Papi was always like ignoring her smoking a cigarette or playing pool in the <laughs> in the garage. The dogs were always barking. Somebody was always coming over. It was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? And I was like, Ugh. you know, we didn't sit down and fucking play Monopoly. One year, actually, there was a hurricane. It was Hurricane Charlie. I think it was like in 2006 or 2007. And we were all stuck inside, you know, the, there was a hurricane going on. You couldn't go outside. We were stuck inside for like 24 hours while the hurricane passed us. And it was really intense. It really scared me. And I like begged everybody to play Monopoly. Finally, everybody, somehow I got all the stars to align. My entire family sat down to play Monopoly. And within like 10 minutes, because I don't fucking understand how to play, I was out. I literally burst into tears and was crying and I could still feel the pain. Like if I wanted to cry, I could just think of that memory because I wanted that so bad growing up. I wanted that cookie cutter life because it was just so different from what my reality was growing up. And so then I met this like, not trying to be offensive to anybody in any way, but I met this like white dude who seemed like he came from, you know, like the beaver cleaver, like his mom knew how to sew and she knew how to bake. And it was like, oh my gosh, if that, if you're going to be a good woman, that's what you need to do. And so when he brought me home, We were playing this board game. We were laughing our butts off. I remember just like feeling like, oh my God, this is family. You know, I had not yet been privy to the skeletons that lived in that family, which every family has. I'm not, I am not talking shit in any way. Every family has their shit, but I wasn't privy to it. So I just thought this was this beautiful all-American beaver cleaver family and I'm getting welcomed in, you know, this guy, maybe he's not that nice to me all the time. 
But I mean, you know, you know, you know, like that's how I just overlooked every red flag every time, every bit of explosive anger or, you know, like throwing things or all the moments that scare the fuck out of you. And you're like, and you're like, I think I should leave. This doesn't feel right. I, I knew how to shush that feeling inside because that's what I did growing up. And so it, that felt natural. That piece to our relationship felt very normal, natural, healthy. You know, that's, that's, dads get mad sometimes, you know, men get mad sometimes. They yell at you sometimes. No big deal. If they, you know, which is super unhealthy, not the way to do. You do not ignore red flags when they pop up. You look at them and you run. That's not what I did. So when I went to his home, we played this board game. His mother, we're all laughing. It was like, it was like Pictionary or something. I drew something silly. I mean, it was one of those moments from a fucking sitcom. We all threw our heads back in laughter. Me and his mother kind of locked eyes and had a moment, like a pure moment of like, oh, you know, and I just felt so welcome in this family. And her smile immediately kind of turned to a frown. And she looked at me and then she immediately looked at her son and said, this girl's got a beautiful spirit. Don't break her. And it struck me in the moment, but everybody was still laughing and she was kind of still trying to keep it up. Oh, and looking back now, my stomach sinks. Like there were so many moments that I could have seen the warning signs and not gotten involved in an abusive relationship and then got locked into a marriage and then continue to have four children with this person and just continue to think, no, no, it'll get better or you know, that's just not the right approach. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not good to bring children into a situation. Children are never going to fix a situation. You know, one more baby is definitely not the way to go. I can guarantee you that. Add to that, one of my children is disabled. My second born has Down syndrome and congenital heart disease. She's had four open heart surgeries in her life, um, similar to Jimmy Kimmel's child. It, it certainly does not help when you're in an unhealthy and unbalanced relationship. I promise you that. And so somewhere along the lines, I started to realize that I was lost. And I wanted to be seen again. I realized like, you know, that was kind of fun. Like I'm it's cool that I know how to like sew and bake and stuff, but like, I think I got more in me than that. (laughs) And the more that that little voice started to speak up, the more it started to really get shut down. And the more the manipulation to be a good girl and know your place started to come. And I started to notice that the stronger I felt, the stronger I was being pushed into silence and to be quiet. And the more degrading things started to become to the point where the the thing that actually broke our marriage was not any abuse. It was not any moment or, well, let me take that back. Let's backstep that. It was not any abuse that I recognized. I thought I was just a willing participant in all of these things. But I went from being a Bible thumping, saving myself until marriage Christian woman to literally a Pornhub amateur. My husband decided to stop working at a certain point in our marriage because he was going to become the hottest, dopest, most amazing music, video, film producer ever. 
racked up a ton of credit card debt, bought all this equipment, worked with a couple of local bands here in Denver, produced a few things actually. When our kids needed more school supplies that year, I was like, we're not making it. I I work as a CNA. At, when he decided to stop working, it was when I also decided to become a CNA because in the state of Colorado, if you have a disabled friend or family member and you're a certified nurse assistant, you can work for a home health company and get paid to do the care and the services that you would already do to care for this family member. And that's what I do. I'm a certified nurse assistant and I care for my daughter. She's eight years old and she still needs assistance, even going to the restroom. So she needs creams. You know, she's got, she's disabled. You know, she has some needs and I'm helping meet those needs. I also work in the school district, but I'm on a leave of absence because of COVID, because of my daughter's health needs to t- help keep her safe. So that wasn't enough money. My full-time job as a CNA, the assistance my daughter brought in on social security, my second job at the school, none of that was making ends meet. So my husband's genius idea was I should become a porn amateur. And so he convinced me and I filmed like I think three solo videos of me masturbating by myself. And it's so funny because he did post them. He posted them to Pornhub and everything. That's why I have no shame. This man got me to break every single moral and value an ethical code that I thought I had. You know that game that you play growing up like how much would you pay for or you know how much money would you take for being in a porn video? How much would you take to blah 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 that stupid game like how you know basically where what what dollar amount can you be bought for? I mean, I was just convinced that to be a good wife and to be a good mother, this is how I could serve my family. This was going to improve our sex life as a couple because I was really uncomfortable having sex with him. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. He knew I hated it. I would cry during sex at times, but we still had to do it because that was my obligation. If you know where I'm going with that. And I hated sex. Something I enjoyed. And so he just convinced me that this was the way we were going to repair our marriage. I was going to heal sexually because I do have some sexual trauma from childhood and from being a young woman. Um, And so I was like, okay, um, we're good. He's going to, this is how I'm going to fix everything. And then there was to promote my Pornhub, he wanted to put me on Reddit. And so he put me on Reddit Gone Wild and basically, he started this weird hot wifing thing. So oh, this is so weird. I swear to God. I just feel like it's important to share because it's like the shit got so twisted. And that's why I have no shame. Like this man posted picture. He was like, no, no, no. Hold yourself like this. Do this. I mean, looking at it now, it really feels like those nasty movies you see where the pervert brings the person into a dark room and is like, okay, now put your leg like this now and just spread it a little bit more like that. And that's what it felt like. I was not enjoying myself. I did not like this. Every every time we did it, the next morning I would wake up and say, you know, I'm really filled with shame. I don't like this. I don't feel proud of it. And I'm really curious, what am I going to think in five years when I look back on this? I don't know. A loving partner says, we are pumping the brakes. We are not going to exploit you in this way. If that's what you feel, I'll get a job. I'll do whatever. No, 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 no. That's not what happened in my case. We went full full throttle. 
He had me holding the little piece of paper with my Pornhub amateur name so that I could get fucking verified. This homie was, he's like, yo, and here's our marketing plan and here's this and here's that. I didn't do it because I was this like fucking freak. I was literally just trying to save my marriage and I threw every fucking value I had out the window and just spread my pussy on the internet. So to make a few jokes on Instagram and look like a fucking idiot and like talking to my vibrator, that does not embarrass me. Looking back now, it's like, is there a journal or some sort of manual that these men read or these abusers? Because I recognize that it happens on both sides of the fence. This is not about man versus woman. This is about regaining your voice after being in abuse. Every single person is like, oh, yeah, it happened to me, but in this way or, you know, oh, I don't have my family pictures. Oh, yeah, he burned mine. I'm like, what? How do they all know to hurt us in the exact same way? I think it's insane. And I think the more we people speak out about the struggles we face, the more empathy we can have for each other. And I think the more that we listen to each other, the more we understand each other and the more we can find peace. And then we can stop this bickering about anything and everything, because I think in life we should be seeking clarity and clarification, not conflict. Not every, I don't have to agree with you. We don't have to agree with everything, but can we both just be on the same playing field? I think it's wild. And they're, like social media, I think is so amazing. One of the people, it's so funny because I think if you were to see me, you would not expect me to connect with some of the women that I connect with. I am just a little Puerto Rican girl with curly hair. Like I got a little bit of sass, a little bit of ass. And like, I know how to throw it around a little bit. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, you got to know your worth. You got to know who you are. You got to know what you got and you know how, how to use it. And I feel I got that. And the woman who helped me realize my voice and inspired me most, her name is Pain-Free Beauty. She's on TikTok and she's on Instagram. I saw her on TikTok first. I am sweet by the slice, by the way, if you want to follow me on the socials, sweet by the slice, exactly how it sounds. Um, her name is Pain-Free Beauty and she was on TikTok and it is this very wholesome, all-American, like she is what I always wanted to be. And she has five kids and she lives in this Western region, like Utah area. And she just like started talking about her experience and I connected with her so much. And I just think it's beautiful that as women, when we can look past each other's looks or attitudes or anything and just see each other for who we are and support each other where we are and lift each other up, that's a beautiful thing. And that's how we're going to see women growing and changing. So because of the struggles I went through, because of the abusive relationship I was in, and because of the three daughters that I have to raise and my son, I want to help pave that way. I know that there were so many women who came before me who emerged from motherhood. They decided, I am not going to sit under this umbrella and play by these fucking rules. Yes, I have children, but that doesn't define me. Let's look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Did you know she was a mother? She's got like two kids, a boy and a girl. They seem really fucking happy. You watch the documentary about her on Hulu. They talk about her with delight. And they have memories of her. But when you think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, does mother, is that one of the first words that comes to mind? I don't think so. I think of activist, lawyer, attorney, Harvard, woman, judge, Supreme Court, justice, controversy. If you're, you know, not on that side, I'm not here to make fights. You know what I mean? But she was a mother. She 
she is like the definition of emerging motherhood. Yes, I'm a mother to four beautiful children. One of them is disabled. I had the options to to abort or not, you know, or to carry the pregnancy. Obviously, I chose the latter, but not my job to tell other women what to do with their bodies. That's the point of this. I felt so trapped for so long that I, when I finally broke free and then finally realized how much I contributed to it by just participating, by not even realizing what was going on, it wasn't my fault. I don't take any blame. I was participating in it, but in ignorance. I genuinely really didn't understand there was another way to live. I thought as a woman, that's what you do. You grow up, you have somebody's kids, you cook, you clean, and maybe you could do something on the side. Maybe. And I'm over that shit. So here we are. I'm out of that relationship and I'm reclaiming my voice. I'm not some like Instagram guru. I'm literally just a single mom fighting that good fight, dude. <laughs> like, that's it. I like to smoke weed for my anxiety. If you want tips on that, I'm happy to share. I could do a whole episode on that. I'm all about empowering other women. I don't care. Some of the women who contact me, I'm like, holy shit, you're hot as fuck. And you are supporting me. Like, I just, I'm down to live honestly and truthfully. And I just want to be able to use my voice. I want to help other people learn how to use their voice. And I want to have a platform for other people to use their voice, people who are ready. I don't think you have to start a fucking podcast or blast your whole life on social media to really stand up for who you are. In my case, that's what I wanted to do. If you, you know what I mean? This isn't to put pressure and say, if you're not shouting from the rooftops, you're a failure. However you feel it's appropriate in your life to use your voice. That's all I want to do. I just want people to be inspired to do that. And I want to share my journey because somehow along that fucked up journey, I found a way. And if I can shine a light and help anybody else out, that's what I want to do. So on the next episode, (laughs) one of my best childhood friends is with me. I think when you hear our conversation It will just help you understand more about emerging motherhood. And so the conversation will continue. Hopefully this isn't always just a solo me talking. I do have a big mouth. I do have plenty to say. I do understand that can get old. So I'm hoping to have as many people on as possible to just hopefully share that message and just help lift all of our voices. So blessings and love to you. Thank you for listening. Where I take it and you know I do it well When I come through, better show up respect I ain't want nothing but that motherfucking check You can catch me at your door, you can catch me in your home Oh, you're running late, just send the address to my phone Copy, paste, and go Baby, don't be playing with me I could come through and take off your shit Take off your gear, take off your peace If you hold back, that's the wrong way to be Don't fuck with me, don't fuck with me 